You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Ahoy, Dream Cowboys! Welcome back. It's the HBO Boys podcast. We're talking about his Dark Material season two, episode six, entitled "Malice." And uh, basically, the writer and directors throughout the whole season. So we're not even going to talk about them, but we will talk about the show. And I'm James, and that's Ryan trying something a little different this time. I guess didn't say howdy, said ahoy. I don't really like change, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, you're going to have to get used to it, James. As you had noticed, obviously, I did say ahoy instead of howdy up front. And I'm glad you were listening. Going to be doing a lot more of that here in the future. Better start practicing. Because here's the deal, James, okay? You're dealing with a different Ryan now. I've become a pirate legend in the video game Sea of Thieves. That's right. I've conquered the Gold Hoarders, the Merchants Alliance, and the Order of Souls. To once again rise above the rest. And now I've reached the peak of the virtual pirate mountain. Things are going to start changing around here. Okay? Yeah. Ryan is a pro at this game that came out years ago and most people don't think about anymore. Yeah, that is mostly played by children. But here is the list of things that are about to change around here at this podcast, James. Number one, you are no longer the alpha. Five years I've been waiting to knock you off your high horse. King of the 70th most listened to podcast that is specifically about HBO shows. Finally, your reign of terror has ended and my reign of terror has begun. Number two, the following are way. He's Captain Ryan from now on. Yeah, call me that. I'd like you to call me that for the the rest of of this podcast, Malice at the Palace, as it is. Before we get into the recap, really quick, guys, we always plug this. There's a Patreon. There's extra content on there. If you enjoyed Ryan talking about Sea of Thieves just now, you can enjoy it more of it. They don't do it. No one does it. You know, Patreon.com slash HBO Boys Boys with a Z, one dollar a month. No one does it, James. Uh, I, I don't know necessarily uh, having such a negative attitude about it is the best advertisement. Uh, but, you know, you know no, maybe I'm, I'm, if, you're, if, you're, if you're reverse psychology, negging yeah, them. Yeah, I'm negging them. I'm negging them, James. Yeah, don't don't follow us on Patreon. We don't want you, all right? We got enough. We're very happy with the patrons that we have. We don't want any more, okay? This is an exclusive club. And, uh, you know, if we can shut down the entry, we that feature's not available, right? We'd like to. We'd like if there were a button to say no more patrons, please. There isn't. So uh, do us a favor and do not sign up on Patreon. We'll be very angry if you do. Yeah. Yeah, dicks. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Merry Christmas. 
yeah, uh, patreon.com slash HBO boys, where you do not sign up for a dollar or, or even more than a dollar. No, get out of here. Don't do it. I still have to have Sam delete her $15 a month. We are going to go bankrupt giving us money. And yeah, well, bonus content. We're going to talk about Sea of Thieves for a prolonged amount of time for this week's bonus episode. And the Call of Cthulhu tabletop RPG episode has been up there for about a month now. Did I say it was coming out last week? I that No, you, were, you didn't hear that. I meant this week. <laughs> as long as it's soon. I, for one... I'm looking forward to listening to the overproduced version of the second episode of the Talkie Boys Radio Hour, starring our boy, the alpha of this podcast, no more, James Hustleside. I think I'm going to try to knock it out after this. We'll see how it goes. Unless we're playing Sea of Thieves. Let's see how it goes. Sure. I believe in you. This was a great episode. A lot of shit happened. We were talking about how like these kind of middle episodes have all been building towards something, right? Like That was the prediction the I Ching gave to Dr. Malone, was that it's all building to something i said the i ching it's the e ching sorry guys I, you're the I've one who did a long paper I, yeah i i've known that that's how it's been pronounced for years and i still say i ching because that's the way i read it the first time i read it and i just can't get that out of my dumb monkey brain <laughs> to be fair you and i mispronouncing things is very on brand so i think we're gonna be okay but yeah a lot of things are moving they're taking the hbo rule of like the penultimate episode of the season is the one where shit goes down and they're applying it to his dark materials. Yes, they applied consequences to the up to this point most powerful characters on the show. They slammed four different plot threads into one another and they're all crashing heads. I mean, as one story was going on, another is floating above them. So, as you said, the middle episodes left something to be desired, in my opinion, but the payoff is absolutely worth it as the last two episodes, and hopefully the finale next week lives up to expectation into a season three that should be balls to the wall. Yeah, well, you gotta pay your dues, you know, how can you eat your pudding if you don't eat your meat, all right, so... I mean, you uh, just, you just, like, eat the pudding... And then you leave. You just eat it real fast, and then you get you get the heck out of there. By the way, season three, as of yesterday, mm-hmm. renewed, mm-hmm. and the final season, nice. which we all knew up until this point, and by we, I mean just like anyone who read the news, but it is official, season three, coming out next year, and it's going to be the last one, and covering the entire third book in, what, seven episodes? Yeah, well, it seems like a rush, but, you know, as as we know from, from Game of Thrones, it's really not good to try to rush the ending of a long book series. But, you know, maybe they'll pull it off. Uh, it seems to me like they're making very wise decisions about what to trim down and what to focus on. And so, hopefully, this will at least be a very good representation of what Lyra's story is in the books. And, and, and you know, maybe if, if you want to know more about these other secondary characters like it'll turn people on into reading the books i guess i have a question for you to mull over while Mm -hmm. we are doing this podcast and we can answer at the end if game of thrones was three seasons long what would the finale of season two be See us at the end of the podcast for James's answer to said question i'm sure he'll have a lot of time to think while recapping and reviewing an entire other show so let's start with what the Magisterium is doing. 
they are mobilizing their fleet in force, as they have been kind of discussing the last few episodes. The mousy priest with the alethiometer comes back to Cardinal McPhail to tell him the things that he has learned from consulting it. So, to answer your first question, Madam Coulter went through the rift into another world. Uh, sorry, it's heretical to say that, but that's the, the answer I got. Yeah, his his caveats <laughs> are really fun. He's like, hey, can I say all the heresy here in front of you? You, re- I mean, at the last meeting I was at, you tortured a guy, or you had him tortured. So I'm just like, I'm walking on eggshells right now. Is heresy cool here? He also says, you know, speaking of of Coulter, she had asked me to use my alethiometer to find out what Lyra's real name is, which I think we were all confused about that in season one. Like, well, is you named her. Shouldn't you know what her name is? <laughs> and he says that he has gotten her true name, and he doesn't say what it is, but it, it, it intimates that it's Eve, right? Like, uh, Right, yes. He says that it is indicative of her being the child of destiny and the same name as the mother of humans. So yes, Eve. And that she, if she is successfully tempted by the serpent, it will lead to all of humanity's downfall, which that's what will happen from the perspective of the magisterium, right? So they've, they, they think whatever change will occur will be really negative because they represent the status quo. Right. But I don't think, we are supposed to interpret that literally like, oh, if Lyra does something with Malone, who has been said in a past episode is to play the serpent, it's going to lead to the end of the world. No, it might lead to the end of the current world order, which is bad if you're a cardinal or a high priest, but probably good if you're a regular person on the ground. Yeah, or it might actually end the world, and either case, not great. We should find this child. So the Cardinal holds a big meeting with all the priests and tells them that this they're entering a crisis period now. And so they're going to be sending their main fleet of Zeppelin airships through the portal. I don't know, to, to blow up Lyra if they can. Where the witches just went and right. the Zeppelins had so much success against the witches previously. I, I have a quick question. QQ. Father mm-hmm. McPhail says that the authority has spoken to him and that there is a huge threat looming. And it just got me thinking, like, how much dumb shit in history has happened because some whack job was like, hey, God spoke to me. And good news, he wants to do what I want to do. Right. I talked to God and he said that uh, the thing that I was already going to do, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. He really backed me up. He said if I don't do it. That I'm an idiot, and and he'll and he'll punish me. So like now I have to. Anyway, somehow this plan, if I'm an occult in America, has a lot to do with me marrying thirty people. And if I'm the leader of the magisterium, the genocide of anyone who gets in our way. And so they're now going to fly their fleet of warships through the portal and invade uh, another dimension. Which to me, that's just a cool concept. Right. Again, like this, this all it's very reminiscent of like Full Metal Alchemist, the original show, not the remake. But yeah, I, I just love this idea of like, yeah, there's this girl we need to get. We're going to declare war on this other dimension. We have no idea what's in there, but let's send our troops in. And the actual hurdle there that he is trying to overcome is 
so recently, the idea of another dimension through the portal was, as we said, heresy. So he's just like, guys, I know I said that it doesn't exist and we should ignore it. (laughs) I know I said it's bullshit, but now I kind of, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We know it's real. Let's send the Zeppelins through. Meanwhile, Miss Coulter and Boreal head through the window in our Oxford, which brings them to Ryan, say the name of the city. Chittagatze. Yeah. (laughs) And when they get there, they don't find anyone. They're looking around. Coulter's getting annoyed. She's like, I thought you knew this place. Boreal's like, well, I've been here like twice before. I don't know. (laughs) Right. And I've been like on my tippy toes the entire time. I don't know if you haven't remembered what I said to you last episode, but there are goddamn specters everywhere. And they're, uh, you know, blood wraiths slash, what are they called in Harry Potter? The Dementors. Right. So, <laughs> and in this piece of fiction, they're called the Spectres. And so, you know, they're like specifically going to try to kill us. Sorry, I'm not more vigilant when I'm around here. They come across, I think it's like Creepy Knife Kid who has his soul ripped out. And they, you know, they're kind of staring at him very rude oh actually no it wasn't creepy knife kid it was just some rando okay just a guy just an extra who you know very happy to have this much screen time and boreal says that the reaction once you have had your soul eaten by a specter quite similar to when you have had your daemon severed from you by intercision and Coulter's like, well, it is a little bit similar to that, but I think it's way more extreme, actually. But hey, I mean, this might be useful for doing bad things to people in the future. <laughs> right. The zombification of the intercision is pretty bad, but this looks way worse. We have to weaponize this. They approach the tower in the center of the city, and as they do, Coulter gets swarmed by like dozens of specters. But they don't attack her, and after a bit, they seem like they are under her control, and she's very happy with this development, and she's like, Boreal, why don't we go celebrate in the boudoir? <laughs> yeah, so, this is cool for so many reasons. Number one, the witches up until this point have been very annoying because, in my opinion, because they've been op Every scene they've ever been in, they've just been by far and away the most powerful beings on the show. So there was never any suspense as to what was happening. They were going to win no matter what. Miss Coltier, or Coulter, I'll call her, uh, you know, one or the other, just depending on on how savvy I'm feeling, has been low-key, crazy powerful. And it's slowly but surely coming to fruition. Like, you know, being able to control a swarm of devils is pretty interesting so again there's some background information that us as an audience and me specifically do not know about miss coltier or coulter and i have ruined the entire show for myself i've ruined the entire book for myself i actively sought out all the answers and this is one that i still don't know but you have to assume that she has the ability to quell her dust to kind of get rid of that stuff if she tries hard enough. So it's like the opposite of what Lyra's doing, right? Lyra is focusing on the dust, focusing on interpreting the dust, and her mother is focusing on compartmentalizing the dust as far away from her as humanly possible. 
So they have a drink later on to celebrate this this newfound power of hers. She explains that the reason she's maybe able to control these specters is because they want to eat your soul. So what she does is she hides her soul from their detection. And and this we did kind of see this a bit in the in the first scene with them. She's like looking at the monkey and the monkey's looking at her. Like what's going on? So it seems like she is pushing all of her soul into little monkey man and so then the specters don't want to eat her p.s and by the way the name of this episode is called malice malice refers to said golden monkey the name of this episode is not like many others a reference to a chapter in the second book the subtle knife but in a prequel novel in the same universe it was said if that monkey had a name it might be malice and the title is a reference to this his name has also been referenced by author Philip Pullman as Ozymandias. Huh. Taking us back to Watchmen. <laughs> by the way, if you haven't watched Watchmen and or had a podcast companion to it, we made one. And it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. You should listen to it. Coulter, very pleased with herself, pours them some wine. They have a little toast. And Boreal's like, yeah, I want you to know I'm so happy that you've come around to our partnership. I've always seen you as as an equal. And Coulter is like, oh, really? Well, then let me kiss you very seductively, like Poison Ivy, baby. Yeah, they totally (laughs) uh, smooch. And he goes on to try to explain what he's excited about. And then, yeah, he falls over dead from poison. And she's like, listen, you're not my equal. And I'm I'm still very angry at you for holding like some facts from me and not telling me immediately uh, when you ran into Lyra and so die for that. You're not, nor have you ever been my equal. She's cold as ice. That was a great bad guy line. Bravo. By Boreal, by the way. That was the death that was ruined for me by Twitter, though. I was so mad. Okay. I didn't see that coming. Um, I was a little bit shocked that he died. If I'm Coulter, I don't kill Boreal for a few reasons. One, it's nice to have a friend. Two, it's good to, two heads are better than one if you're on, like, some kind of quest. And three, like, you could kill him at any time, you know? He could still possibly be useful to you. Maybe, yeah, if you're that angry that he lied by omission about these things that he knew or about Lyra, you know, you you want to, you want to kill him for that, you know? I would say exhaust all of his usefulness first. Like, he's not just maybe a good guide in this new world or about portals in general. He's also, like, maybe a strong political ally back in your own world, if that's still important to you. And so I think it kind of speaks to, like, Coulter's madness a little bit that she killed him over this. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think at that very moment she had just conducted pure evil all around her. Her ego was feeling extra beefy. She found a vial of poison, which was very convenient. And she decided to use it in that moment on Boreal, which, again, I agree. I believe it was hubris. You know, it's not her first act of hubris, also, by the way. She oversteps her boundaries in this fictional world on a constant basis. But she has always been able to, because she is so powerful, and because she has an amount of guile, that is unmatched by most other characters in said story, been able to solve every problem that was put in front of her. But this was a decision that was devoid of future thought and will probably come back to haunt her, right? 
Yeah, I'm I'm sure there's at some point she's gonna be like, oh, would have been nice to have Boreal around. Oh well. <laughs> Father McPhail sees her next. Where is Boreal? And she's just like, oh, he's detained. And I'm like, oh, another bad guy line. I really like. I love bad guy lines. It's like, oh, he had too much to drink. <laughs> what does that mean? He's dead, McPhail. Let it go. So getting back to the main story of Lyra and Will, we get the Witch Queens. They've just arrived in Chittagazebo <laughs> And they like it. They think it's pretty. They're like, oh, it's nice that there's other worlds than ours, and, and, and they're not horrible nightmare realities. And then they see in the sky a bunch of angels flying by, and they intuit immediately that they are going to serve Asriel, which might be good because it'll give them a lot of power against the Magisterium, but then also they say that, like, angels are tend to herald disaster or, like, the end of the world. The last time angels were seen, they were going to make war. Ruda decides to follow them and then says, you know, I'm going to go see where they're going and then I'm going to return to destroy the Magisterium, which is something someone says when they're definitely not going to return. And... As the witches look up and see omnipotence, they become instantly more interesting. They are no longer, most likely, obviously we haven't seen an angel in action, but it's hard to imagine that the witches are more powerful than the angels. I don't know if specters and angels are on the exact opposite side of the spectrum. I don't know if they're equal in power. I hope they are, because that would further inflate how much influence on the world Miss Coulter can have. But when you saw angels in the sky, number one, did you see angels entering this story? Number two, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I mean, another interesting development here. I just feel like they're, they're in this episode especially, they're just like dropping shit on us without much to do. Like, And interesting, I wonder, as you said, I thought instantly like, well, they have some relationship to the specters like are they opposite aligned entities is a specter like a fallen angel or something i don't know but it what was interesting to me is that immediately they're like oh yeah well they're probably going to go join asriel it's like what what makes you think that first of all right what do we not know that gives you that indication also this is the exact direction that the studio stripped from the golden compass movie any mm-hmm. reference to religion as a whole, especially the angel storyline, which is a huge part of the book, was taken away from the movie and, in retrospect, is most likely one of the bigger reasons that it failed, just because the story was much worse, because it wasn't based off the actual story. And I'm glad, it, you know, this episode started like this and it did so much good for the story immediately putting the witches in their fictional place and making them more interesting, plus introducing a huge part of the story, having the courage to be like, those are angels, audience. Deal with that in some way. So back at their like stolen house that they moved into, Will is not doing so well. He's got a fever from an infected hand. And at this point, you don't really know all the details about this, but I was like, well, yeah, he had a gaping wound when two of his fingers were like, did we not do basic first aid for him? Like, <laughs> Lyra spit on it and was like, that should be good. That's what we do in my world. Rub dirt and spit and move on with our lives. Lyra goes to get 
a pail of water when she encounters like an angry mob of the creepy kids who are still pissed off about their friend and they're going to get their revenge uh, by murdering them. And I guess maybe like taking the knife back is also part of it. Yeah, they're led by Angelica slash Liana Mormont and Paola. They want revenge after the Spectres consumed their brother Tulio. And they chase Will and Lyra up to the roof of the cafe. And then the witches were a little annoying again, just partially, as they do ex machina dropped in and were like, children, get away. Yeah, they, they're rescued by the witches who, like, from that point on, Lyra just, like, implicitly trusts them. Or may, I mean, I guess maybe she's thinking about the witch from last season that was very loyal in helping her. But she really trusts them. Will doesn't like them as much. They go to the woods. They check out Will's hand. It's fucking gnarled and horrible. Like, this isn't just an infection. This is, like, a wound from a zombie movie. Will has no reason to trust the witches. Will is, without context... In many portions of his life, he just came across one of the most powerful artifacts in the world. And two weeks ago, he was wrestling on a high school recreational team. Like, he's been introduced to a witch and Lyra's like, no, no, they're fine. And he's like, no, none of this is fine. They show the knife to the witches and... They don't really they don't really know what to make of it either. But they say, like, if this is a magic knife and it cuts you, then you probably have, like, a magic wound, and we're going to have to use magic to fix it. Right. We're going to have to go back to the world that we just came from with y'all to get the flowers that are there to fix his stump hand. You guys seem pretty fast. Why don't you just fly through the portal right now, go do that, and, and we'll meet you back here. <laughs> no, we have to slowly walk through the woods. A lot of the stories are intersecting. So your plan, while smart, while efficient, is is not going to lend itself to the story. I'm sorry. Back in the city, Malone is there alone. Malone Bone. She uses the I Ching to figure out what her next move is. And she ends up going to the beach. She really likes this place. She's being spied on by the creepy kids. And they're like, well, how come she hasn't had her soul eaten out yet? And at this point we can kind of see that there, there's like a shimmering barrier of angelic protection around her, perhaps. Yeah, the fuck is that? Well, that's because I was thinking, well, maybe the angels aren't going to help Asriel. Then. Maybe they're going to help Malone or something. The cave did say she would be protected by what we are unaware. She ends up running into the creepy kids in the middle of the town, and they ask her, like, hey, how come monsters didn't eat your soul? And she's like, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Also, I don't know. Also, what monsters, question mark? They then, like, immediately narc on Lyra <laughs> to Malone. They're like, yeah, she's a bad girl. She did bad things. And 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 this was I, this was sad, huh? Like, really fucking sad. They, they then ask her, like, well, basically, like, will you be our mommy? Because we're lonely. You can even make us do chores and, and take a bath. Paola asks her for a hug. Mary says, you know, I... I I'm here to do something important. I'm being protected by an angelic shield right now. I mean, there's a lot going on with me. I don't know if you guys know, but I am the serpent. So, and they're like, we get it. And they walk away. And then her storyline ends with Mary calling after them being like, wait, I'll take you to your adults. And I was like, oh, I think they're dead. <laughs> right. But she's not going to abandon them. 
which that would have been a devastating scene. Like, no, yeah, you no, be our new mom. No, I'm busy. I'm I'm so busy. I just got <laughs> so much to do in this other world. I just got to. My I Ching specifically told you guys to fuck off. I, I don't know what to tell you. Lyra tells Will that she thinks that the witches are right and we should just go back to their world if it'll help. Will says, that's bullshit. We're supposed to find my dad. You promised. We agreed that we were going to find my dad next. Go ahead and ask the Golden Compass where he is. She does, and it says that he's close by, that they need to go up. They need to keep going up, which Lyra and Will and the witches misinterpret that. They're like, oh, we should go up the mountain. I mean, but as we're about to discuss next, like, actually, Joe's like up in the sky. <laughs> right, which, which they have witches who can go up in the sky. But, I mean, it's hard to understand they're on the ground. They do as best as they can. I did think the conversation of like, what should we do next? And Will was like, we've had this conversation so many goddamn times. Use the altheometer and tell me where my gosh dang dad is, dude. And her being like, I mean, I, I'm looking out for you. Your your stump hand is going to infect your entire body and you're going to die. So I mean, it doesn't really matter where your dad is if you're dead, right? And he's just like, ask the compass. Where are you? Oh, he's here? Oh, that's kind of perfect. The magic ritual that the witches do seems to help Will, and and he, he seems to get better as the night goes on, and then the next day, he basically seems fine. Him and Lyra, like, reconcile again. What? This is like ticking his dad. They're just constantly reconciling. Yes. Um, And he talks about his mother and her bad mental health problems and how they were both mistreated as a result, and... That's why he's grown very distrustful of strangers in general. I, again, don't blame him. He is in a situation that don't make no sense. And he's surrounded by witches and children of destiny. And he recently lost two fingers he thought was definitely going to be on his hand for the rest of his life. He's in a difficult situation. To be fair, though, he lost... What did he lose? His... his his left hand ring and pinky finger. If I had to lose two fingers, I would probably choose those ones. If this is to be fair? Yeah. Oh, okay. What, if, what, if, if, Ryan, I'm telling you right now, you, you have to give up two of your fingers. Which no, no, no. I agree with you. Those are the fingers that I would give up. But <laughs> I don't feel like your viewpoint of this, like, stop complaining, those are fine fingers to lose is a good one. <laughs> they continue up the mountain, but they hear monster noises ahead. And a specter attacks one of the witches, but they flee from Will's knife. So we can see they, uh, we are entering a dangerous situation now. Yes, and that specter messes up that witch pretty badly. Miss Coulter, not so much, can conduct the specters. Same ones that can be conducted can mess up a witch. Everything is more interesting now. The final plot line of this episode is Lee and Joe fly into the rift so we're all entering the same dimension now and, and at first they have a discussion where lee's trying to just like tease out like what is it you can actually do like you you're a shaman you say you've got magic can you just explain specifically how that works to me you know i'm not but he's just like yeah, i'm i'm basically storm and ang combined you don't know those people because in your world, you don't have, have Nick at night, but, uh, you know, I'm going to be helpful. Just, like, let it go. Yeah, his his answer 
boils down to like, hey, I've been a lot of places. I've seen a lot of things. Some things I thought were right. Other things I thought were wrong. You know how it is. You know, I this storyline felt like it's supposed to be the Hound and Arya storyline. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's not. They're trying desperately to do so. And it's close. It is using two of the most... Oh, it's hard. One of the most popular artists today and one of the most talented actors alive and it still is like not quite there you know what i mean yeah they well it might be just because the dynamic is new but they don't really have that great of chemistry between the two of them and i'm not saying i want them to make out but i mean if we're to do like a buddy cop thing like maybe they should be buddies yeah the banter should be better they should be digging each other and also it would be wild if they did make out though i would love for them to that would make it a lot more interesting the problem is that the shaman jopari barely has any personality whatsoever like a little Mm -hmm. personality and this would be way better. Lee and Joe watch as the specters are converging on the tower. This is coinciding with the scene where this happened to Coulter. And Lee's like, well, maybe we should get down there if it's a dangerous situation. Like, what if Lyra's down there? And Joe's like, well, no need, because I don't sense that Lyra is down there. And even if she were, specters are no threat to her because she is not covered in dust. The part where the balloon was flying above Boreal and Miss Coulter in that moment was my favorite part of the episode. It was Worlds Collide, Paraman 5000. And when we then see it from Jopari and Lee's perspective, Lee's character development is on brand. He's get that, just get down there. Let's shoot, shoot him up. Shoot him up, the specters. And Jabari's like, no, that's dumb. Let's not do that. Let's keep moving on. But also, by the way, he says that in like the least interesting way possible. If I would have liked for him to put Lee Scoresby down, put down his intelligence for like a setup in the future for Lee's good planning or good execution of something that had thought attached to it to get Jopari out of a situation like there are ways you could have heightened this moment a lot more than Jopari being like nah it's not down there and then Lee being like okay right and well to the point that you were just making a minute ago Lee is like let's go down there and do something bold and adventurous and Joe's like no 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 just continue gently listing through the sky any amount of personality in that moment would have made it so much better how like there it's it's just so frustrating that they have such a talented person playing such a boring character. Later on, Lee and Joe witness the Magisterium fleet that has entered into this dimension now. And it's gaining on them. And it's clearly now chasing after them. Lee tells Joe, like, okay, uh, you're really vague about it. Whatever it is you can do with this magic, uh, could you do it? And Joe is basically like, well, you know, see what I can do. <laughs> And then he does that. He is a shaman. He summons a storm as the Zeppelins approach. He summons birds whom aren't real. But in this instance, I understand it's fiction. So he does and summons fictional birds that then go and mess up the dirigibles. And lightning happens to them out of the air. So, like, good job, Aang. Watch out for any rogue cabbage vendors. You're doing your thing. But still... Uh, his powers don't make him interesting. Joe is able to bring down three out of four 
of the Zeppelins, ziggurats, airships, whatever you want to call them. But the last one, dude on there, fucking rolls a nat 20 and just nails uh, the main gas valve on the blimp, which causes it to crash down towards the Earth. And that is the end of the episode. Although, to be honest, like, Lee doesn't seem that worried. He's just, like, braced for a crash landing. Right. He's crashed before. And also, he's a Texan badass. And he can't be afraid. So, that's, like, his whole character. And so, yeah, he's he, he's going to be fine with that. Again, the uh, we are complaining towards the end, although I do think valid complaints. But as we said at the beginning, really great episode. Uh, one of the better episodes of television that aired in the year of 2020. I think if it was put up against all of the episodes of The Mandalorian, it would be mid-tier. Probably third or fourth best episode of television this year. And I'm looking forward to a finale where a bunch of more shit happens. Yeah, I loved this episode. Uh, It kind of got me back into the groove. Like I said, the last three or four episodes weren't bad. I guess it was just mostly build up and setting the stage for this episode. And then what I imagine is going to be a big episode next week, which I'm looking forward to. And I, I think, you know, people in England have already watched it. I'm sure a lot of people have watched it streaming illegally on other sites how dare so you make sure to tweet spoilers at ryan how, how dare you Ter- that, that wouldn't be it's so mean they won't do it there's no interaction <laughs> with anybody who watched there, there there are people who listen to this show mm-hmm. um uh, contrary to popular belief but none of them <laughs> i told uh, on the hunter hunter podcast i was like everybody go to apple podcast reviews and say that james's nips look like sausages that have been cut up and nobody did so. So thank you. Well, because they know it's not true. They I appreciate they that. They know everyone. it's true. I've seen them in real life. Uh, they know. Okay. Anywho, James, who is your favorite character in his dark materials right now? Mm, I mean, it's kind of easy. Probably Lee Scoresby, just because it, it makes me think of Hamilton, and he's also just doing a funny voice, and it's just cool that he rides a blimp. Hmm. How about you? Mine is Mary Malone. Okay. She's just, I think, the best acted character. Most interesting character. And I think it is a bit of a Homer Simpson bias issue. You know, how mm-hmm. Peter Griffin's probably, and almost definitely the best character on Family Guy. Homer Simpson's the best character on The Simpsons. Jerry Seinfeld's probably, eh, I mean, there are Kramer stands out there, but he's probably the best character on Seinfeld. The main character is usually the best character, but it's cooler to say, like, not Michael Scott as the best character of The Office when that's absolutely not true. Like, people are like, oh, my Creed is my favorite character. Bitch, Michael Scott is the best character on The Office. Get over yourself. Anyway, Lyra Balakwa slash Lyra Silvatung, although I think has been taking a bit of a back seat this season. I think at the end of season one, and I believe we actually talked about this, that she was absolutely my favorite character. She was the one who was doing the most. She was changing the story with her decision-making and talent the most in season one. But that's not true anymore. Yeah, I, she's becoming, uh, I would say, like in this season especially, a flat character, which I use as a descriptive term, not as a derogatory one. A flat character is someone who has kind of undergone their change already. And right. is now, the purpose of that character is to promote change amongst the other characters. 
and and she may not remain that way i think that's just kind of the, the role she's playing in season two i think the person that we are underestimating though is miss coulter I think she is the ripest character for the most amount of change. And at the end, I believe she'll be my favorite character of the series. Yeah, and I think she they're setting her up to be the main villain. And, and Cardinal McPhailson is probably just going to go down like easily at some point. Yes, he's going to boreal die in some way. But now that we are at the end of this podcast, James, I will go back mm-hmm. to the beginning and ask you a question I know you've been ruminating on the entire time. If Game of Thrones mm-hmm. was three seasons long, yeah. what would have been the season two finale? Mm. If it was three seasons long, how would season two have ended? Yeah. Probably with like the Red Wedding. If they would bump that up a season so that they could like i don't know have have joffrey die at the beginning of season three and then i don't know maybe the end of the series would have been about like i don't know john marching south to kill the lannisters or whatever it's hard to say man but yeah i think they would have bumped the red wedding up probably to season two hmm thinking about this i think the finale episode of season two would have been a back and forth where I agree with you. The Red Wedding was happening simultaneously to the assault on the wall where the Wildings are attacking from both the front and the back and Egret dies in a scene that is just before Rob dying. Holy shit. What an episode that would be. Right. <laughs> Maybe they should have made Game of Thrones three seasons. Well, we're lucky to a certain extent that that you know this stuff did have much longer time to play out, right? I guess maybe if Game of Thrones had been made twenty years ago, it would have been probably three seasons longer. You probably would have ended on a fucking cliffhanger and then never been resolved. I mean, we just I'm I know we talk about Game of Thrones a lot on every podcast that we ever do that's not about Game of Thrones, but I think it's important to note that none of these shows that we're talking about on HBO right now would exist if they didn't have a portion of Game of Thrones budget. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, praise be Game of Thrones as much as you want to believe that the end was uh, ruined it completely. I'm not going to get into this. You can go listen to our end of Game of Thrones season eight podcast. <laughs> Uh, and, right. and get our vibe about that and how Undyne tried it. But anyway, yep, finale episode next week. Everybody's in the same place. There are going to be a lot of faces meeting each other who have not had to deal with such specific brick walls of exposition in the finale. And I am looking forward to it very much. Again, I am psyched for what Mary Malone's future story is. And I hope we get a sneak peek of where she is going next although it feels as though right now she's gonna like step through a door and we're not gonna know where she ends up but i am hopeful for otherwise thanks for listening everybody if you are just listening it means a lot if you want to support the show in other ways you could follow us on social media he's at westworld ryan i'm on twitter i don't really tweet that much i should probably get more into that i'm at james watches men um you could also leave us a positive review on whatever app you're listening to this on that also helps james has salami nips no this is absolutely propaganda i was actually born without nipples okay and i I, I don't want to hear any lies they called him james sans nipples in high school if you would like to really support the show please 
Hit us up on Patreon, hboboys.com slash Patreon, where there's bonus content. This week we talked about, we told some funny stories about Ryan's favorite game, Sea of Thieves. I am Pirate well Lord Ryan. Say it. You can hear. Say that, I'm a, say that I'm a pirate legend. You can also hear the Call of Cthulhu episode, which I'm going to edit and have out the, uh, have, probably have it on the on the feed, by be, maybe even before Ryan puts this up. So pointless to say. I before truly Cap, am, I think, the pirate person Lord in the world. Ryan. Looking forward most to the second episode of the Talkie Boys Radio Hour. I think I'm its biggest fan. You've already heard it. It's out. You want to hear it with the background music. and the, Of course the I do. Effects. And yeah. everyone else should too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then join us next week when we do His Dark Materials Season 2 finale entitled, Ryan? A Theometer, I believe. Okay. I could be wrong. I think you're right. No, it's something close to that, I think. Yeah, it's close, but not so much. It's a shatter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it a shatter. It's definitely not how you say it. The A and oh, E are oh, together. Oh, oh. Let me, let me take a look at this one. A hater, a hater, a hater. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. It means last knife in Greek. Okay. And BT does before we go. Just a big shout out to our current patrons, Samantha, Jamie, Anthony, Hard, Nicole, Day, James, Cliff, Atheism, Chris, Brent, Day, Craig, Baca, John, Major, and Carol. Only your first names this week. Uh, (laughs) You get your last names next week. That was terrible. You're terrible. Shut up. I quit. (laughs) You quit. You can't quit. We're five years deep. You can't quit now.